Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1261 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday here in mid-June. The NBA draft is rapidly approaching at this point in time. I've been talking a lot about the draft recently. I'm talking about a lot of other things, including player capsules and mailbag questions and the future of the franchise. I know I had Glenn Willis on the podcast recently for breakdowns of all kinds of players. Recently, it's been Capella and Hurd in the last few days. A bonus podcast that I dropped on Tuesday with injury updates and roster stuff as well. And again, wall-to-wall draft coverage. Recent guests like Jake Rosen, Ben Pfeiffer, Ricky O'Donnell, and many more. And today, I have a two-part episode. This is part one that you're about to watch or listen to with myself and Brian Schroeder. Brian's been on the podcast many times before covering the NBA draft. He's one of the best people in this entire space covering the draft. He watches everybody and everything. He's very, very informed. And uh, we have a lot of fun talking always about the draft. And I want to go ahead and tell you that right now. This is part one. Part two is available probably at the same time you're listening to this podcast. So if you've already listened to part two, you probably did it in the wrong order. So part one should be first, then part two. But I chopped it up in uh, hopefully a fashion that makes sense to you. But uh, all kinds of draft coverage to be sure. And as a reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably going to be on Thursday. That means we're one week away from the NBA draft. And the Hawks are very, very involved in all of that stuff. I talked about a lot of different things on that Mailbag podcast um, last week and also the bonus extra podcast on Tuesday. But as a, as a reminder, the Hawks are in a lot of trade rum, rumors or rumblings, however you want to say that at this point in time. Um, most of the roster is available on some level. They have that first-round pick this year. They have an extra first-round pick in the future. They have second-round pick this year that's pretty interesting in the middle of the round. So a lot of stuff to talk about with the draft. They might trade the pick. They might trade up. They might trade down. I try to give you a wide berth of coverage about the draft in this space, and that is definitely the case here with myself and Brian talking about a lot of different guys at the top of the draft, Hawks options, second-round picks, et cetera, and uh, all of that is coming up in a moment. One more time, I will beg you and plead with you to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, etc. That really helps us as well as ratings and reviews and all of that fun stuff. And share the podcast with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. And after the intro rolls, I'll be back with myself and Brian Schroeder, part one on the NBA Draft. You are Locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I am joined today by front of the podcast. It's been a little while, but Brian is a, a frequent guest of the show when it comes to the NBA draft and all things around it. Brian, welcome back to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, I, I try not to bug you too much. I know you've done a ton of content for me in, in uh, the last couple of cycles, and the draft is nearing as we're recording this. We are within two weeks before the draft actually happens, and it's coming fast and furious. Uh, there's a lot of guys to talk about, which we kind of go through, uh, as you might expect. We'll talk about the guys the Hawks uh, we could reasonably take with their first-round pick. But I want to get your thoughts on the class overall as someone who's been doing this for a long time and talk about this class for a long time. What kind of draft class is this in your mind? Is it is it a good class? Is it, is it a weak class? Is it flat? Is it steep? Like, how do you feel about the class overall? Uh, I would say it's slightly weak and slightly flat, but it's not. I don't think it's as weak as some of its detractors might say. Like, I, it's not a star class. I don't think we're not even compared to last year, which was last year was to me sort of the average class. Especially now, maybe slightly above with how like Franz's look and how some of these other guys have looked like they might be legitimate second or third stars for a while but there's still there's going to be one or two maybe three like legitimate all-star guys in that class and that's about average i feel and without having to look, look it up this year i think is a little under that um i think you're gonna have 
really the main four guys I think are decent bets to be all star level guys, depending on what you think an all star is. And that's that's the main three: Jabari, Chet, Chet, Paolo, Jaden Ivey. Those are the main four for me. And then there's like Duran, AJ Griffin, Shaden Sharp, who are like those guys could be, maybe they have the some attributes of star players. Yeah. And then uh, I do not have Keegan Murray in that group, but I do have him at the top of what the second tier is, which is just like these guys could be pretty good. And I think he's at the top of that group, of like a guy who will be good, like he'll be useful. Yeah. Um. I think the thing that really separates this class, and I think what stops it halts from holds it back from being like 2020 wasn't very good, or you know th- th- we're never going to get a two, uh, the, the 2000 draft ever again. But what holds this back <laughs> from being even close is that there's just a lot of six five to six eight six nine guys who are you interesting, a lot of potential wings, which is always good. Which you every want. T- every team could use more. There's no team in the on the, in the league that has too many wings. Um, but yeah, this is not a class. If you want like a, a franchise guard, you're probably not getting them. There's a good amount of like rim running centers, but this is not not a lot of like super versatile, like like really interesting. Like not a lot of guys centers who can be playing a huge playoff minutes. So it's really a wing draft, and it's really more of a three four draft. Like a lot of power forwards. So yeah, no, I, I find this draft really interesting because of what you just kind of laid out. Like you know. In theory, every team needs more of what is available in this draft. And obviously they won't all hit, but uh, especially with the way the playoffs have gone and uh, there's that emphasis on guys who can play, uh, you know, at the three and the four in particular that are like, you know, versatile two-way potential guys. And there are a bunch of those that applies to the Hawks as well. I mean, the Hawks are not till the middle of the first round, number 16 overall, but there will be guys um, mm-hmm. between the two and the four <laughs> that they can choose from um, to add to the roster if they want to do that. And, you know, obviously they're already set a point guard and really it's center is not really a priority either. So for the Hawks, no. it works out pretty well. <laughs> like the weaknesses in this class, as you kind of laid out there, like there's not a lot of lead guards. The Hawks don't need a lead guard. The Hawks no. have other, have other needs. So it actually breaks down a little bit pretty well for them. And uh, I know you talked about it being flat a little bit, I kind of think, especially after the top, you know, wherever you draw that line after four or five or whatever, it's pretty flat for a while Mm -hmm. for me. And I feel like that's also fortunate for the Hawks at 16 in that they might get a player at 16. It's very similar to the players at seven or eight in this class. Uh, Does that, does that that make sense to you? Yeah. And it does, it does make need a little more important. I'm, I I think I, for the last couple of years, I've been pretty adamant on, you don't draft for need, you draft talent that, Free agency is where you get needs. Your needs right. filled, um, unless it's like, uh, like the chart. The Hornets like simply don't have a center. Like that's <laughs> yeah, a need. They do not. That's see. a need. Like a, not not anyone who can protect the rim at all, really. So that's every, a need. Every, every single mock draft has Mark Williams to the, to the Hornets, <laughs> and that <laughs> makes sense. If, if he goes there, it'll make sense. Um, you know, that's like a need and best player available thing. But I think need picks up a little bit more out especially outside the lottery in this draft because it is sort of just like what flavor of guy do you want there's going to be 20 or so players that are more or less on the same level so it's really just kind of a like what is your you know what do you need what do you want that you can find it which i think is interesting 
Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're looking for a DFS option this year, you need to check out the award winning app at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. It's so easy to use. All you pick is two to five players on over under on their projections, went up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against those projected numbers, which makes it a lot, a lot easier to use than a lot of these other sites. And an entire entry might just a minute or less. If you're on the go in a hurry, Prize Picks is easy and it's timely. They also are very safe at prize picks. They offer fast withdrawals and they have props on almost anything you can possibly think of on the basketball side. That includes points and rebounds and assists, even steals. They have mixed sports entries. So if you like MMA or soccer or hockey or baseball, pair it all together. Use those skills at the same time. That's a lot of fun to take place. And for a limited time, prize has an exclusive offer for our listeners only at Locked On. And it's $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores even a single point if you use the promo code NBA. That's right, exclusively for, for Locked On fans. Sign up today. Use the code NBA. $50 for free if a player in your first entry scores even a single point. Check it all out at Prize Picks. You know, I want to take advantage of your depth of knowledge, uh, and I don't always do this with everybody that I have on the show about about the draft, but I actually want to start in the second round, basically, or guys who are deeper. Because the Hawks, you know, picked at 44, but it generally it's, like, hard to tell you who's going to be available at 44. Yeah. But I, yeah. I want to – I just want to get some, like, some of your guys that you like that might be second-round type of guys. Like, for instance, uh, I won't give all of your stuff away, but I know you're uh, – at least, at least I've seen that you've been pretty high on guys like Josh Minot or Justin mm-hmm. Lewis, like, as guys who I often see in the second round who you might have higher grades on, but I'll open it up to you. Like, who do you think, not that they might have to be available at 44, but who are like reasonable second round guys that you seem to be higher on than everybody else's? Well, I, either of those guys is be a great, would be a great gamble at 44 because they both have pretty high level athletic abilities. So like they both have, and they both have some kind of, like Minot is a hustle freak. Yeah, he plays hard. He shot pretty well in workouts apparently, which he just didn't shoot. He's yeah. a weird guy because he came into his reputation in high school was as like a tall guard, like this, like six, seven point guard, kind of wiry. Like he needs to grow into his body, maybe like a giddy type, like not a scorer, just like a, a facilitator. And by the end of the year, Memphis, he was their backup center. Like that's yeah. what he did. He just ran, he just hustled, ran down the court, had a lot of big dunks, got blocks, got steals, got some assists, got some, like he has, he racks up everything except for scoring. He can't score, which makes him like, honestly, a pretty good bet. He's younger than I think we had thought because there was some kind of, he was listed as a January birthday and he's actually November birthday. So it was like a, somebody probably just put one instead of 11. That happens. Right. So he's, he's actually not 20 yet. He, we thought he was going to be almost 21. He's not even 20 yet. So that's like a good guy. And then Justin Lewis is just like a big dude. I don't know how to describe him. He's huge, <laughs> broad shoulders, huge arms, just wins with like he can shoot pull ups and he wins with just being larger than other people. He's not really a four, I think, is the, the problem with him. He's kind of a two three at like six seven two thirty five, which is really a weird player. That's a big player, yeah, yeah. But he he's just like a um, a mismatch kind of guy. He's just gonna hunt people when he if he gets if you give him the ball in the wing, he's gonna just bowl into somebody. And his his thing is if he could just get faster at everything and develop a little bit, he could be like a legitimately good bench scorer, like. Sort of what I think people thought like Eric Pascal was, but with like real athleticism and not like just run, just like uh, to Eric Pascal tested great, but he's not like an elite athlete. I think Justin Lewis is more of like a actual scorer. I, I, I'm a big fan of Justin. He's just like a, a monster. Uh, Jabari Walker is an obvious like role player guy who will play from Colorado. Um, by the way, people people, from people Colorado don't know that the yeah. son of Samaki Walker. Um. Which is you can tell if you look at him. 
<laughs> but yeah, because he's he's um really good rebounder. Last year and like a smaller role, he shot I think high forties from three, and this year it was down in the twenties for a lot of the year. And then he, I think he ended up in the mid thirties again. Yeah, I think it was ended 35% up thirty five so. thirty four. Yeah, almost thirty five percent. And like just could shoot spot ups, gets rebounds, plays hard, plays good defense, six eight, moves well. Like just a pretty quality. Sounds like a uh, a potential Hawks guy. I mean, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask you generally speaking, like you know what the Hawks have, what they don't. Not that you're covering mm-hmm. the Hawks every day, but uh, guys that would fit as a flyer because you know obviously last year was weird in that they kind of just fell into Sharif and that was not the plan in the second round. We didn't mm-hmm. we didn't really get a lot of idea about what Schlenk was going to be looking for because it was kind of like okay, this guy fell. 25 spots too far so we have to take him mm-hmm. uh, i wonder now if they'll be more practical on who they draft in the second round because um, to this point they've kind of not got anything out of the second round yeah. in the schlank era and it's like okay obviously you can't you know have too high expectations for that pick overall but you can get a guy who can maybe help you in a year or two at that at that spot mm. and you never know what jalen johnson's going to be doing this year so yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, don't I, would, think, I would hope he's. I would hope he's, he's actually playing at some point. At some point along yeah. the way, but you don't want to. You don't want to pencil in like a four. But that, that's what this draft just allows you with. So you really shouldn't avoid if those guys are around. Like Jake Laravia, he's not going to be around forty four. No, but if that won't. kind of guy is around there, you take him. You know, it's unfortunate because I think some of the better. I think if like Ishmael Kamagate or Jop or any of these like big centers, like these project guys available, I think I would take a shot on them. But I think really. That seems like not a waste of a pick. You can't really waste the forty fourth pick, but like, yeah, you could do better. Kendall Brown, if he makes, if he slides down there, take him. Oh, for sure. And he seems to be somebody that's kind of free falling. He went from like a productive top twenty pick to now he seems to be going in the second round in these mocks, and that doesn't mean everything. But he's someone who's interesting. I do think that you know while they can't draft a center at sixteen. They could take a center at 44. Yeah. And then just yeah. like have that guy in the G League and play him. Like he won't be able to help you right away, but eventually they're going to move on from one of the centers. So he'd probably Capella, you would think. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't hurt to have another guy in the pipeline as insurance and also just potentially like if it's best player available. If it's not best player available, then you don't take that guy. But I think at 44 would be totally reasonable depending on whoever it, it would happen mm-hmm. to be. Like if, let's just say like if Walker Kessler fell to 44 unexpectedly, like you, that's sure. a reasonable pick at 44. Like I'm, I'm it's probably going to happen, but that's another guy maybe. Yeah, um, maybe like Dominic Barlow is a guy you look around at around there too. Just like big, huge guy with interesting measurables. Darius Baisley seems to have worked out to the extent that he's an NBA player. That's kind of the the guy you're looking at there. Yeah, that works. Um, I mean, I see. Oh, I would probably if I'm like a legitimate t- if I'm a team that's trying to compete and I'm in the second round and I want to guarantee. I'm going to get this year's Herb Jones. Not to say this player is exactly like Herb Jones, but I'm taking Vince Williams because he's good at basketball. I mean, that's the kind of guy that well, – by, by the way, just for everybody to know, it's, he's, uh, he, he played at BCU. And he, was a, he, he was a four-year four year guy, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so he's a little bit older. I think he's almost 22-ish. But someone like – another guy that I got asked about that's kind of – not similar player necessarily, but like Keon Ellis is another guy who was yeah. like – maybe potentially interesting as a lower ceiling, but a role player kind of guy. Uh, but yeah, I like Vince Williams. If he was there for sure, he's someone who might be able to help them sooner rather than later. Not going to be a breakout star or anything, but I mean, I think, I think he could like be first kind of guy. Yeah. But I think, I think, I think Vince is a very good bet to be in the league for 12 years because he's, yeah, he's a little, I don't know. If Kyle Anderson made it and Kenrich, Henrich Williams made it, he can make it. He's just, he can really <laughs> shoot. That's the thing with Vince. He can shoot off dribble. He can really shoot. He's worked 
he couldn't shoot at all when he was a freshman. And he was just like a um, guy who made a lot of noise with stock numbers and like a crazy outlier, like defensive BPM and just like a freak. And then just sort of had to work into being like a go-to scorer and became a legitimate scorer this year. He's a rebounds guy. He's a great, like a, just a really fun passer with the ball in his hands, without the ball in his hands, like just connects things really well. I, I think he'd be, if he's your fifth best guy on your, if he's your fifth guy on a route on a, in a lineup, it's going to be a good lineup. That's just how I feel about him. He's a pretty easy bet to me to make it. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of guy that you're looking for, especially in the middle of second round. And look, as much as uh, second round picks can be pretty valuable. If the Hawks wanted to, you know, get another pick, in the second round before that or trade up or whatever, like they could actually, they could also do that. So maybe if they have a guy in the thirties that they really want, they can, they have, they have them mm-hmm. go get that guy as well, which is, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to pencil. I probably do this too much. Like pencil in like, all right, these are where their picks are. Let's talk about these guys that they could possibly get in that range. Same in the first round where like, we'll get into this in a second, but you know, the, the Hawks wanted somebody that, that they could get at 12. They can go get that guy if they want to. I'm not saying they yeah. have to do that, yeah. but it's a, it's a flat class in some ways, but if they fall in love with, I don't know, Johnny Davis or something and they want to go get him, they can do that if they want to. Um, it's probably a good sort of switch point to get into some first round guys. And I wonder if you agree with this general sentiment. I've kind of been saying like, there might be 10, 12, 14 guys. The Hawks could reasonably draft at 16. Mm-hmm. When you, when you combine, guys who might fall and also just like eye of the beholder stuff. Mm-hmm. Is, does that seem right to you? Like I, I'm not, I'm not I, I know who I like more than other guys, I but think it feels like it's so flat. In some, in some ways. The only guy who's consistently mocked in the top 25 that they probably are completely uninterested interested in is maybe Kennedy Chandler. Just because yeah, they don't basically. need, they don't, he does not, there's nothing he does that Trey doesn't do. Uh, exactly. I mean, that, that's also what I've been saying. It's basically, he's a guy that I like Kenny Chandler, but you kind of have to cross him off as the Hawks in the first round. And like, maybe yeah. you're, maybe you're Mark Williams, like Coloco type. Like, I, I don't, I yeah. doubt they drive, I doubt they do that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, I don't really see that with Chandler. I, I would be just stunned if they did that. Yeah. But the that center, be... it's like, I, I mean, maybe if they have a plan, also, they, they could trade Capella on draft night. I have no idea what's going to happen there. Yeah. So maybe that's more plausible. Worse, obviously, Trey's going to be here. So, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe Chandler's the only guy that you can kind of cross off. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. And the NBA Finals are rolling along right now with things getting very interesting between the Celtics and Warriors and the NBA Finals. Again, it's pretty tightly contested as I'm recording this podcast. And with that as a backdrop, our partners at Bet Online have the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and sports information this time of year and really any time of the year. They have the latest odds, news, and developments across the sports world. That includes the entire NBA playoffs, of course, MLB odds and scores and futures, et cetera, the latest fight stuff, even next season's NFL, college football, college basketball futures. They have overrunners when, the, when that time comes, future odds in terms of who's going to win the championships, conference titles, et cetera. It's all at Bet Online. And they're the continuing source for all the wager information that you want beyond that. That includes live betting and esports they have poker they have casino games and much more and all other sports that you might not be thinking of right now they have stuff like hockey and golf and tennis and auto racing horse racing soccer cricket entertainment bets and much more head about online right now on your computer mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world but online where the game starts because tai tai washington is the real question with him is if he is like a legitimate point guard does that how much does that raise his value i don't really think he is um, I just don't, there's no real creation ability. He doesn't, he already couldn't get to the rim in the SEC, like at all. Yeah. And it's not like he's a very competent player. He's good. He's legitimately good at, at three level scoring. But the problem is those three levels are picks, are threes off screens, mid range, like 17 footers off screens, and floaters in the paint off screens. Like he doesn't, he's very competent 
operator off like off the pick and roll, all that, but he's just not like a doesn't have any real dynamism with the ball in his hands. And it's like you kind of they that's the guy they need. So I don't really know. I don't know what he would do really that Bogdanovich doesn't do. And he's yeah. also three and a half and maybe kind of injury prone. Oh, he seems to be hurting his legs a lot. And I don't want to, you don't want to put that on somebody, but he's no, but he just, also he's, he just got hurt in a workout apparently. Yeah. And he's also kind of the only, I'm looking at the list right now. I'll make sure I'm not crazy. He's kind of the only like pure combo guard in the range too. Like everybody else. Yeah. I think has like at least like full on shooting guard size. Whereas Ty Ty really is a combo size, like third guard size kind of player. Am I, am I mm. wrong? I think mm. I don't see anybody else. That's like his, archetype in the range it's kind of like because he's what six and you mean that is like a negative then yes because like the Jalen williams yeah, that's what i mean Wesley are combo part. guards but they're right they're also but they have better size too yeah. like they're not like isn't Jalen williams like six six ish williams is six six yeah so and then whereas ty ty is what six three six four maybe he's yeah. really kind of the in between kind of guy which i don't think is like a death sentence by any means i kind of like ty ty in some ways but he's really the only guy that's kind of like himself I mean, Blake, Blake Wesley is maybe the closest in size, but Blake Wesley is a uh, big time athlete. And I, I, don't, I think I've, I've, I'm starting to be converted to Blake Wesley, even though he wasn't particularly good at basketball this year. Uh, the, uh, the, the thing with Blake is that he, it's, it's all flash stuff with him. Cause he would do yeah. stuff. He would break down defenses in ways that guys simply can't at the college level. He just couldn't finish plays. I, I don't know if it's. I really feel like it's. Sometimes he would get into the paint and he would not. Ex, he would like. I didn't expect to get to this angle, so I just throw the ball up. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, it's that he doesn't gather that well. Like RJ Barrett has that problem too, where he can't like. He has the speed and the burst, but when it comes to just like the mechanics of step, step, layup, he just doesn't have that yet. He doesn't have the angles right. But I think those are all mechanical issues that can be solved. The guy still got to the paint at a crazy rate for a freshman. And the thing with Blake Wesley that really stood out to me, A, he's probably the best perimeter defender on that Notre Dame team. Like he's a good defender. Um, but the thing is, that's a team that had – let's see, Dane Goodwin was a senior. He's going back as a 50th super senior. Cormac Ryan was a senior. Pentas Hub was a senior. Nate Lajewski was a senior. And I think Paul Atkinson was a senior. So I think the other five guys who played a lot of minutes were all seniors. And whenever he was on the floor, he was the number one option. No matter, yeah. no, no matter what other – no matter who of those guys was on the floor, he was the guy who had the ball in his hands. And so, like, that happened quickly, too. That happened within five, six games. They just made him the guy. And that's doesn't that doesn't happen that often. But, yeah, I think he could shoot pull-ups. I think he'll shoot fine. It's just, like, he's jittery and kind of excitable. He doesn't get into his – he doesn't have, like, polish on his game at all. But just, like, the length and, and ability to get – to break people down off dribble and just, like – it's a Bones Island stuff. He kind of looks like Bones as a freshman, where Bones was kind of yeah. the same way. Get pushed off his spots a lot, got like bumped. And you just need time to figure out your angles for that stuff. Jamal Crawford wasn't Jamal Crawford immediately. It took him a couple years. Well, and uh, I said this, I think, with Jake Rosen recently on a podcast as well, but Wesley wasn't like a huge expected, like one and done guy either. Like he yeah. kind of, not that he came out of nowhere, but like he wasn't supposed to be a top 20 guy in this class a year ago. He was on my yeah. list. Like I usually put every four star and above on my watch list, so he was on yeah. my watch list. But I, I couldn't tell you that I knew much about him before this year. Yeah, that's what I mean. Really, it was he was obviously you know a four star is not it's nothing to sneeze at, but he wasn't supposed to be quote unquote uh, a one and done top twenty top twenty five pick uh, kind of guy. So maybe that's part of why he's a little bit more uh, more raw too. It wasn't quite on that same. And you know, he shot like thirty nine percent in the field and. 
Yeah, so he had but, a huge I mean, usage rate. Yeah, I wasn't saying, I mean, I'm not trying to pick on him. Like some of the numbers are not particularly good. His true shooting was like sub 50%. Like it wasn't particularly good, yeah. but the flashes are the flashes. And I think if you're someone who wants to maybe take a little bit more of a risk, a little bit more of a swing as the Hawks, he would make some sense as a guy who does some yeah. stuff that they, that they want in the future if it were to work out, I think. Yeah, he's got as much potential to be like a legitimate, at least Karis Levert when he was, before he started getting hurt level score. I kind of. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, well, with, with defense at all. Yeah. Um, I think his ultimate role, I think, if he really fends in a good spot, is going to be like a Will Barton type player, which is which a good is, player. Yeah, which means there's going to be nights when his team, his fans hate him, but there's <laughs> going to be nights when he holds you in a game by himself because Will Barton does that very frequently. We'll, yeah. we'll keep we'll keep his team alive through a 10, 12 minute stretch just through effort and explosiveness and just getting throwing himself at the rim like crazy. For sure, he gets hot. I want to ask you one thing here, and uh, we're not going to do a ton on this because, like, I don't want to pile on, guys. But I, I need—I feel like I need to ask you if there's anybody that's like a consensus top 20, 25 guy that you just like would not touch as the Hawks um, in general. Like, I, I have a couple guys on my list, mm. but I wonder if there's anybody that, like, like, if there's anybody that you have a lot lower on your board, let's say, even if it's not like a do not draft, but like someone who you just don't kind of see it with that. Uh, that the, low, the guy I'm low on is probably Abaji. Um, yeah. Why is that? I, I just—he's not exciting in any way i don't know he'd probably be fine he'll probably be a decent nba player but he's not for a guy who had that much responsibility he's not really like his athleticism pops some he has some really impressive athletic plays but it's not a consistent thing he's not out there blowing past you know he's not dominating physically he could shoot i i feel pretty confident about that he's, he's a solid shooter Agreed. he's not a creator at all for himself or others He's not really any good defensively. He's not bad. He's just he's, kind he's of okay. Guy. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like like um, I feel like his his idea the idea of him is sort of like is he is he even as good as Buddy Hield? And I don't know. Well, but I mean, Buddy Hield was a better shooter. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the that's the role you want him for because he's not really. I mean, I guess he's athletic enough to play the wing. He's just not a guy. I'm really. There's nothing dynamic about him, really, to me, which just makes him kind of. But he should still be drafted, absolutely. And if he's oh, in the yeah. like the twenties, I'm not going to be like, ah, whatever. Even if he's like the the late teens, I think he can play in the NBA. So I'm not. He's the closest <laughs> to that. I, there's not really anyone I think is just like awful. Jaden Hardy was that guy for me for a little while, but he started playing better, and now he's being mocked in like the twenties, and it's like that's fine. That, yeah, I think power. that it's gotten more in line with where I was too. Like I, I've also, you mentioned it, but I think I, I liked what I saw from Hardy later in the year enough mm. to where like I think he is a first rounder. Like that's pretty solid. Obviously, sixteen might be a little bit high for him still for me, but the I don't know. If that's a, I don't know if that's a pick for them anyway. He's maybe six three. It's a lot of yeah, same problems. Uh, maybe, so maybe he's the other guy. That's the, the combo size yeah. guy that I wasn't yeah. thinking about. But yeah, it's uh, I think that just because like there is this, and the Hawks have said it too. They they do at least talk about wanting that kind of second, you know, quote unquote secondary creator and maybe he, maybe secondary score type that can get to the rim or whatever. Um, the Igbachi thing is interesting because he is frequently discussed for the Hawks and it makes sense. Like older guy, you would think he might be uh, ready to play sooner rather than later on a team that's trying to win. He's uh, I've kind of joked about him being the guy that Budenholzer would have taken when he was in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he liked those older, uh, those older wings. Um, but you mentioned the, the, thing, the thing for me with him, other than him just being boring, which, which I do agree with, 
is the defense. I think there is a notion out there that he's like this plus defender. And that's what I don't, I don't really see. I mean, honestly, I think again, he'll be totally fine, but he's, he six, he's, six, he's also, he's also six, five. He's not, he's yeah. not like a huge I mean, he's he a good wasn't, athlete. He wasn't the guy on that team who was the, the matchup defender. That was Christian no. Brown. Christian Brown was the guy that got thrown on to the other team's elite score. He's got some buzz, by the way, uh, speaking of Christian Brown. Do you like I him? I, mean, as a I like him more than Baji, yeah. Okay. Not, not a lot more, but enough. I think the athleticism pops a little better. I think the the physicality, he is kind of a bully ball guy, but like that can work at 6'6". Six, six if you're playing if you're playing down, playing twos, you can bully twos. Yeah. Um, neither one's a guy I think I would take in the top 20, but I think I like Brown a little more as like a more definitive spot-up 3-and-D kind of guy. For sure. Whereas, that makes sense. Um. Oh, there's a guy – I actually have not talked about him really hardly at all on the show, and that's not on purpose. It just kind of hasn't happened, But so I'm going to make, make sure I get to him here. And that's that's EJ, EJ Liddell. He came in recently for a workout with the Hawks, and I realized when I saw his name, I was like, I haven't talked about him very much. I've watched him a lot, obviously, a Big Ten observer like you are. I've seen a lot of uh, Liddell in my life. But a guy who kind of just is under the radar for me, but obviously he's regularly mocked in that top 20 to 25 kind of range. Do you what do you make of him? I'll just open it up to you that way. Like, what do you make of him? And obviously, you know, the Hawks uh maybe not be perfect fit for him, but because he's more of a four in my mind. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know what you think. He's a pure four. Yeah. Um, I think he's the kind of four we don't see as much as like this guy is a power forward. But you know, I don't think I don't think having at least some version of Millsap's career is out of the question for him. Like he can shoot. He's smart. He's really strong. He plays. He's a good shot blocker for his size. He gets up and blocks people. I'm sure yeah. you've you've seen plenty of times. Big time. Uh, just like a, a leader on the floor. Like I don't know. I you're probably gonna hear like a Grant Williams comp for him or something. But I think he's a little more of a road grader kind of guy. Like a, just more of a. I think he, he can play in the playoffs. That's the best. That's a, the biggest comment I can give you, Jay Liddell. I think he can, I he can stay in the playoffs. Do you buy his jumper? Because, like, it kind of came yeah. on this year in a way that it just wasn't there before. But So it's like a one-year sample kind of thing. But can, can he shoot? You think you like his jump shot? I think so, yeah. I don't know why he can't. That'd be helpful. I mean, he's, he's been a, a 70s free throw shooter his whole career. So, like, yeah. Yeah. I think he shot – I'm looking at – I think, yeah, he was, like, more of, like, a low 30s guy previous to this year. I think he shot 37, almost 38%. Seven, yeah. Yeah, so that's obviously a big jump, and um, he's just not. Speaking of guys who are not that exciting, he probably is not exciting. But I think he does a lot of good things. I probably wouldn't have him at the top of my list at sixteen, but I think that if he's another round on that long list for me, like if they drafted him, I would at least understand it. Obviously, having Jalen in the last draft, and also still having Collins on the roster, like being that he is a pure four, that's a little bit tough because Jalen's probably a four as well. Um, but if they think he's the best player, you just take him. Jalen might be a five, honestly. Well, they uh, I tried to tell Hawks fans this that didn't watch a lot of the G League. Like, they played him at the five almost exclusively this year. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you're not surprised by this, but Hawks fans think he's a three. <laughs> and it's like, actually, he's closer to five than three at this moment. Yeah, so, people still um, do this. You still see this, like, with – I don't know if it's just college basketball people writing uh, draft previews early in the process, but you still saw stuff like Tari Eason guard forward. It's like, no, <laughs> we still do this. And then yet we still accept it in the playoffs, you know, out of order plays backup center. Like basically, yeah, he's a four it. five. Yeah. So like, he's yeah, definitely the, a combo big. If you are <laughs> six, seven and weigh more than 200 pounds, you can play the four in the playoffs. Unless you are just like hilarious, hilariously weak. That's not an issue for EJ Liddell. He said, Liddell was able to hang around with the Hunter Dickinsons and Zach Edes of the world. 
and Travion Williams and Kofi Coburn and was able to play with those guys because he's he's really strong. All right, that's it for part one of myself and Brian talking about the NBA draft. As a reminder, part two is available for you right now. So if you listen to part one already, as you probably just did, if you're listening to this podcast now, part two is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, all those places. Click on over, listen to the podcast, check out Brian's work, subscribe to the show, and we'll see you next time.